Welcome to the Picture of This Photography Podcast, where we talk about all things photography. And today we're doing one of my favorite types of episodes, and that is camera predictions for the future. Now, in the past, Tony, we've predicted some pretty interesting things. Animal eye autofocus was one of the things that we asked for. We asked for more flippy screens and cameras. We predicted the wireless offloading of photos from your camera to your device, to your computer. And we have some really interesting ideas today, including something I call IQP, Intelligent Program Mode, that I think all pros will appreciate, and a feature we invented that will make sure your group photos never have another person's face out of focus. Okay, just slow down. First, we need to take a moment and thank our sponsor, Squarespace. Squarespace makes amazing websites incredibly easy. If you're a photographer or a videographer, you can just drag your pictures or video clips in there and show it off to the world, no matter what type of device that they're using. And it takes just a few minutes, but they also make great websites for any type of business you have. If you want to reach customers, you should have your own website and Squarespace is the perfect way to do it. Just try it out. Go to squarespace.com Chelsea. Get a 14-day free trial. And if you love it, use the coupon code Chelsea to get 10% off. Thanks, Squarespace. All right, so we're talking about camera predictions of the future. But before we go into the future stuff, Tony, I want to talk about things that have come to light. Predictions we've had before, that have actually happened. Yeah, it's actually amazing the amount of power that product reviewers have. Whenever we complain about something or we imagine something wanting to appear, it seems to appear, well, not all the time. We don't get everything we ask for, but lately we've been getting some of the big things that we ask for. It's very exciting. Yeah, I think a part, a big part of it is that camera companies want to work on the features that look really sexy when you market them. So when people see that their camera could have this feature, they're excited. And when you have a lot of vloggers and influencers and YouTubers and the press asking for something over and over and over again, they deliver. And one of them was flippy screens. Like Now every camera has a flippy screen. Some people are mad. But it yeah. doesn't matter because why? Because the YouTubers and influencers are happy. And I think some camera companies that might even be a higher priority than pleasing the individual customers because that's what pulls people in to buy in the first place. Yeah, but I think that's the I think a lot of people are hybrid shooters now. And a lot of the people business has changed. The business has changed. And a lot of people are still shooters and they were a little bit upset about this whole flippy screen idea. I definitely was ridiculed by people for being just a vlogger that wants to see your face all the time. But the truth of the matter is a lot of people are making entire careers off of vlogging or product reviews. This is the industry now. And they're the ones who are buying the cameras. And they're the people buying the cameras. So when a bunch of vloggers say, well, we want a flippy screen, of course the companies deliver. Another thing they delivered was animal eye autofocus. And we have a big background in wildlife photography. And when human eye autofocus came about for portrait work, it was so useful to not have to manually select the autofocus point to just have it automatically find the eye. And we imagined, like, what if it could find the eye on a bird? And Sony was kind of the first there. They tried to give us good animal IAF, but it only worked on dogs and cats. And then it kept getting caught on the fur and stuff. Yeah. But we actually don't take as many pictures of our dog and our dogs with our real cameras, but yeah. we take pictures of deer and birds and such all the time. And it didn't help us there. But with the release of the Canon R5 and R6, what did you think of it? 
It was amazing. It was locking on to the eyes of animals before I was even seeing them or before I could have even moved my joystick to get there. So, okay, so this is my thing. A lot of features, they technically work, but they don't work better than I do. And so I don't use them. This feature was so fast and easy to use and intuitive that I loved it right away. Yeah, and it wasn't dogs and cats. It was dogs and cats and birds and insects. It was a dragonfly and a butterfly. Like, how is it? I, anyway, we're both really impressed we with that really feature. We were really happy with that. Thank you for giving that to us. Another thing we begged for was to end this SD card workflow of taking out your miniature floppy drive and then putting it into your little SD card reader and copying the files over to your PC. Like, we make this wireless, we said. Yeah, and you know, that wasn't something I wanted necessarily for me. I would prefer not to deal with SD cards, but I got all of the dongles and the fobs and everything. I know how to do it. I've been doing it a long time. But watching new photographers, mm -hmm. younger people, my daughter, her friends, seeing my mom not want to deal with the SD card, seeing people not pick up their camera because of a simple thing like an SD card, I re that's when it clicked for me. We got to make it easier for people. Yeah. Well, when Max got rid of the SD card reader completely, like we knew that era had to end. Oh, you said Max, M-A-C. I was thinking M-A-X. Like Max oh, Yuryev. Nice. <laughs> I was like, what did Max Yuryev do now? <laughs> but in the R5, in the A7 III, they have wireless transfers that can go directly to computers, to servers, mm -hmm. and it's fast. They're the first ones with five gigahertz radio. So I'm getting like, it's approaching gigabit speed. Like it's happening very, very quickly. And with Canon in particular, they use cloud connectivity so that it will now go from your camera to Canon first, but then directly to your Google Drive or even into your Lightroom Creative Cloud, which means you could then get to it from your smartphone, from your Mac, from any device that's connected to the Creative Cloud. And that's like, that's amazing. That's what we've been asking for. Fast, instant, and it's automatic on yeah. both those cameras. You take a picture, it sends it right away in the background. If somebody steals your camera, you've lost zero pictures. You have this instantaneous backup. There's no, you sit down on your computer, there, all your pictures are waiting for you, all the previews rendered. It is, it's like finally here, right? Not only that, it's simplifying your workflow. If you're a professional, you don't want to spend all your time offloading your photos. Who hasn't been frustrated waiting for the pictures to copy, waiting for the previews to render? So we're going to take a little break. And then after that, we're going to talk about what we think those next things are. And they're going to be cool, and I think they're going to be real. These aren't far-off ideas. These are oh. tangible things. I do have some ideas that I think are pretty novel, but I, I definitely think the engineers at these camera companies could figure it out. Tell them who makes this possible, Charles. Squarespace. So if you've already taken your photos and you want a beautiful place to see all of your best photos and show them off in a professional, clean, beautiful way, you can get your very own Squarespace portfolio for free for 14 days. You don't need a credit card. You don't have to remember to cancel. I really don't like that, by the way. You just have to sign up drag and drop your photos in, put it into one of their beautiful templates that are very professional and see if you like it. And I really think that you will. If you decide to buy it, you can get a little coupon from me to you, 10% off with the coupon code CHELSEA. So go to squarespace.com Chelsea. It's in the description below. Use that coupon code CHELSEA. And thank you Squarespace for making this possible. We love ours. I do. So if you're just joining us, we're talking about our camera predictions. We've already gone over all of the things we've seen come to light, things that we wanted that camera companies actually did. Now, 
we're looking at the natural progression of things, we're looking at what they're already capable of, and we're looking into the future and seeing what we think is next and what we want next. I think the biggest predictor is what are the pain in the butt YouTube vloggers complaining about with current cameras? Yeah. <laughs> because that's what's predicted in the past. And right now everybody's complaining about poor video autofocus. So I think that'll be the next thing that they address. They're already trying, but the next generation camera, I think it'll lock onto the eye and just track moving subjects. And hopefully it'll get so good that even filmmakers can begin to rely on it instead of just manual focus pulling. So another thing I see that just makes sense is everything going wireless. We're already accustomed to a bunch of wireless devices in our lives. So why are cameras so far behind? We need more wireless mics, wireless headphones, wireless flashes, and automatic updates, which we already get software updates on just about everything. We even get them on our car. So I think that very soon cameras are gonna be having more of these devices. Let's hope, and a search. Nobody has ever memorized the entire Sony menu system. Somebody mapped it and it was like 500 items. It's, it's deep. It's a deep menu system. And I don't see any reason why we can't just have a search bar or some way to make that easier. Yeah, it seems like a simple request. We're making it and I think they will address search it. Search bar. Woo! Do it. <laughs> Tell them about training mode. I thought this was such a cool idea of yours. Okay, I invented something called training mode, which I think camera companies could implement. So you get your new camera. You don't want to read the manual because who wants to do that? Instead, you have training mode like a video game where they walk you through a fake level and it shows you all of the ways to control your guy and which buttons to press and how to play the game, right? Why can't we have that with a camera? You look through the EVF, and it shows you different scenarios like of pictures, and then it tells you how to fix them. So let's say there's a bird, it's a white bird, it's way overexposed. The camera can say, okay, go into your exposure compensation, turn it down until it's properly exposed. Ping, you pass that level. It can walk you through all of the features, how to use them, which scenarios, how to take better photos, and get you set up on your brand new camera. But I think it could go a step farther, Tony. I think you could actually put your camera into training mode and with the new technology our cameras have, if it detects, let's say, camera shake, it could say to you, you know, you're, you're having camera shake, put your shutter speed up. Or motion blur, same thing, put your shutter speed up. If something's out of focus, it could say, oh, make your depth of field deeper. So it could use all of the information your camera is already keeping track of and making the photographer aware so that you're learning faster, easier. What if it had a friendly little animated character? We could name it Clicky. No. It's not Clippy, it's different. No. It's Clicky, like no. the shutter. You keep trying to ruin my idea with Clippy. It's not like Clippy. <laughs> the modern mirrorless cameras have an electronic viewfinder. It's a little LCD display that you look at, and it's different from the way SLRs always worked, which is just a mirror and some optics. That's an optical viewfinder. And the EVFs have so many advantages. Like they can show you a bright screen even in the middle of the night. They can display a histogram or focus peaking, all this kind of electronic yeah. gadgets. But we found one major drawback to the EVFs. Yeah, when you're taking wildlife photos or sports photos probably as well, things are moving so quickly in the scene that the EVF can't keep up. There's lag and there's blackout. Yeah, when I switched to shooting sports with the A9, I found this to be a real problem. If you're trying to capture a, a header 
in sports. I found that I was getting shots just after the header happened. Yeah. <laughs> Coming from like a Nikon D500 and SLR, I realized I was seeing everything with just a, a tiny bit of lag. But it meant that I had to retrain myself. I had to start pushing the button, the shutter button, before the event happened. Like anticipation of it happening. Yeah. But that lag was even more of a problem when you had erratically moving subjects, like uh, a swallow, a small bird that dives back and yeah. forth. It's very hard to keep in the viewfinder anyway. But when you're seeing stuff slightly shifted in the past, even if it's like 0.05 seconds behind, it becomes so much harder to keep it in the frame. Well, the longer I'm tracking a subject, the more disorienting it comes. So if there's a bird diving to catch a fish, it's like, for me, the farther I'm doing it, the more I lose track of what's happening outside of my camera. And I've tried shooting with both eyes open, and I just decided it's not for me. I just use a Nikon D850, and I have OVF, and I'm seeing everything in real time. I need that. I like that. I think they can make a hybrid DSLR that has an electronic viewfinder for reviewing photos. Um, I love the EVF in certain instances, but not for fast action. Yeah, and we're not talking about just using the rear screen because we still like an electronic viewfinder with an eye cup that we can put up to our eye that we yeah. can use for telephoto purposes, that we can use to review photos, that we can use when recording video. But we just want to be able to switch and kind of get the best of both worlds. And I would just propose, give us the the last DSLRs Canon and Nikon make should be these hybrids. great hybrid DSLRs, yeah. and they will just be DSLRs for people to use from now until the end of time. I think that I might be one of those people that does that. <laughs> yeah, just never actually go mirrorless. Yeah. Okay, Tony, this is another invention of mine that I call IQP, Intelligent Program Mode. Program mode is really helpful. It's for when you're just taking photos and you don't want to think about the settings and you want your camera to automatically adjust. But I thought with all of this new technology going into cameras, why can't we bump it up a level and ha have the cameras help us even more? So for example, uh, I'm taking pictures of birds and the bird is perched. With IQP, my shutter speed could be lower, like one five hundredth of a second. But if the bird takes off and I'm taking pictures and it's moving faster, IQP could detect that and bump my shutter speed up automatically to like one one thousandth of a second. And I don't see any reason why this isn't possible. Your camera is constantly measuring what's going on. Why couldn't it just figure out it's moving with eye autofocus and then up the settings for me? Oh, well, now anybody could take great pictures. What's even the point, Charles? <laughs> I know that's always the defense, but this is the way technology is always moving. You still have to be there. You still have to track your subject. You still have to find great light and composition. This is just making that a little bit easier. We started this thought process by thinking of the existing sort of sensors and intelligence in the camera and how could they, the cameras use that information to better improve your pictures. And so when we saw the animal IAF, we thought, okay, if it knows where the animal is and where it is in the frame, why can't it figure out how rapidly it's moving and then adjust the shutter speed? That should be super easy. Another thing it can do is these cameras have these complex gyroscopes in them that can detect your every movement. And they use that to cancel out camera shake with lens and sensor stabilization. So why not take that data and adjust the shutter speed to a minimum to prevent the camera shake that still happens or to detect it when it is happening 
and tell you so that you can adjust the shutter speed. Like it could be, I think it could be active or passive. It yeah. could just simply warn you proactively that, hey, your shutter speed is too slow. You're going to blow this next picture unless you up it because you got shaky hands. Maybe you got cold or something, you know, there's no hard and fast rule. Yeah, absolutely. So this we could be the next program mode, just a more intelligent way to figure out what you're taking pictures of. If it sees that it's a person, it could turn that shutter speed down a bit as opposed to an animal. Yeah, but it could also say, oh, it sees the eye of a little jumpy kid. Yeah. And it would be able to see, oh, this eye is moving all over the frame. I can't be at 160th. I got to be at 1400th <laughs> if I'm going to get that kid sharp. Oh. But really, like for portraits, there's no hard and fast rule on yeah. the shutter speed. It depends on the person, on the lighting conditions. And you could always use the fastest shutter speed. You could shoot all portraits at 1500th, but then you'd be using, you'd be getting unnecessary noise in a lot of conditions. So when I take wildlife photos now, you want the shutter speed to be as low as possible so that your picture is clean. But yeah. you also want to make sure you freeze the action of the animal. And so I usually start at a high shutter speed to make sure I get the shot and then bump it down a little bit as I'm taking photos. That's the method. And sometimes a bird will be perched and take off so quickly that the motion of increasing my shutter speed while panning shakes the camera. For me, to be able to hold it up and just automatically move that setting that I know I need to move, that's so valuable. Yeah. Oh, another idea I had with the IQP is that it could detect many faces. So if you're taking a picture of one person, it can detect that. If it sees many eyes in the frame, you're taking a group photo, it could then increase the depth of field by upping your aperture. So maybe you have it at F28 for one person, but if you have 10 people in the frame, now it's going to move it to like F10 or something. Yeah, that could be really smart. It, I can imagine a passive mode too where it didn't change your settings, but it could just highlight a face and say, this face is out of focus. And then you could tell that person maybe to lean forward, or you could adjust your focusing point, or you could increase your f-stop. But it's really just, it's just helping you out. It's looking over your shoulder and being like, your viewfinder is too small to know this guy's face is out of focus, so I'm going to highlight that problem area for you. I think this is also a valuable feature for camera companies because what I see so often is that people are moving from their phones where everything is very automatic to a camera and they feel like something's going wrong because they're getting pictures that aren't as good. And that's because they don't know how to use the camera yet, but it's discouraging them from learning how to use the camera because the phone is simpler. Well, they should read the manual. They should, but do they? No. no, they go back to their phone. And what do companies lose out on? Someone buying new lenses, someone buying new accessories, someone buying the next camera. And then your favorite camera company goes out of business. And you wonder why. It's because the barrier to entry is too much. And we need to move it back towards the middle so that people can move from these cameras, your phone, to an actual camera and keep these guys in business and keep them doing research and development that's going to make you happy. So don't be a snob about it because this helps all of us. And so when my mom or my daughter picks up a camera, if they put it in IQP and they get the best photos they've ever gotten, they're going to go back to that camera again. And that benefits all of us. So this is why I think this is like crucial. This is why we need this next step. Agreed. I also want to suggest that they start to do like in-camera raw processing. I think it's so silly that these cameras have 15 stops of dynamic range, yeah. but then when you take your JPEG or hack file, yeah. it still just uses the same like eight stops no matter what. If you are taking a 
picture of a sunset with a person in the foreground, like recognize that the background is very bright and there's a face there, but it's very dark. Properly expose the background, which is what you do. And then in post, we would normally bring it into Lightroom and raise the shadow so you can see the face. Just do that in camera. You have the raw data. Before you throw it out, just raise the shadows up so I can see everything. Now that you can recognize subjects, it should be super simple to do. IQP. IQP. I got you on board for IQP, <laughs> right? Totally on board. I asked for this recently in my vlogging video, but I want a depth of field priority because right now we have aperture priority where the photographer sets the f-stop. But the main thing you're changing with the f-stop is the amount of depth of field that you get. And depth of field is not determined solely by the f-stop, but it's determined by the f-stop and the distance to the subject. So if you wanted to maintain a constant depth of field as a subject moves closer to you, you would have to be constantly raising the f-stop as they approached. Instead, give me a depth of field priority that controls the aperture based on my depth of field preference. This, of course, would be really useful to vloggers who are often holding something up to the camera where the depth of field is razor thin, and then they're basically forced to use a high f-stop for the entire video so that the up-close subject has sufficient depth of field. They wouldn't have to make that compromise anymore. And all you, you already know the distance to the subject because you got autofocus. Just take that calculation and put it in there. It's like it's not a complex programming task to do. Okay. Wow, we are really nerding out so hard on you guys. This is what we talk about and get passionate about at home. So yeah. buckle up because I have another idea and it is a digital photo assistant. That means if you go on a professional photo shoot for fashion, by the way, you'll see that the camera's tethered in the studio and there's someone going through the pictures checking to make sure everything's perfect. Is there a hair that's moved? Are the eyes in focus? Is everything looking good? Well, I don't think you should have to hire that person if you're an amateur because you could have in-camera photo assistant. And that means that it goes through your photos in a little scrolling bar on the bottom and puts either an X, a red X, or a green check on photos that are good or bad. What's good or bad, Tony? Well, are the eyes open? If it detects they're closed, you get a red X and you can easily see that. Are the eyes sharp? Or are they moving? Or are they out of focus? You'll get a red X if they're not. If you're seeing a lot of red X's, it's not just making your life easier, it's helping you be a better photographer. You go in, you look, you say, all right, I'm seeing a lot of these are not right. What am I doing wrong? And reassess your camera settings. So if you have camera shake or a bunch of problems, you know your photo shoot's not going well and you can readjust. Yeah, exposure. The flash didn't fire. The flash yeah. was too bright. Yeah, great idea, Chels. I would also like to see the stuff embedded into the metadata so that the culling is largely done on your camera, and then when you go to pull it into Lightroom, you can just choose to not import the problematic photos. Or it imports them and backs them up, but doesn't bother rendering the previews. It yeah. just puts all its effort into the photos that it thinks are good. What's worse than having to go through all your photos again, and you know you're looking for that one good photo, mm -hmm. but you have to go through 10 similar photos that aren't the right photo. I'm always doing side by side, like, okay, mm -hmm. these two are the same, but this one turned out the focus was a little more precise, so I'm going to have to use this one. And I always waste like a, a half an hour, an hour, two hours, just that part that could be done totally programmatically. I've edited the wrong photo before. Oh. Have you done that? Oh, absolutely. Then you realize there was another one that was slightly the, sharper. The one you actually liked better, and you're like, oh, <laughs> why? I also want to see them start to adopt some computational photography. We saw Olympus do this with the EM1X, and it, it was the start of something good. It yeah. wasn't polished. But 
I'm not looking for the really sophisticated smartphone stuff, but in a very basic level, give me simple in-camera image stacking in order to simulate extremely low ISOs, like an ISO 10, like an ISO 1, so that I can do long exposures in camera without the need for an ND filter. Just automatically capture 20, 50, 100 images using the electronic shutter with very minimal delay between them. And then just do a simple averaging, not hardcore math. It can be handled in pretty much real time over an indefinite number of exposures. This is really simple programming to do. Wow. You should do it. Oh, and finally, I'm just one more time I'm going to ask, give me internal storage. I still like having a backup. Give me an SD card, yeah. but then also give me, maybe it's 128 gigs of internal storage. This can be very fast. It can be very, very, very small, smaller than an SD card. So it'll let you get your camera sizes down. It can also be, it seems to be far more reliable than external storage because I've never heard of somebody having the flash storage in your smartphone fail. Yeah. But SD cards fail all the time, right? Yeah. So I think this sort of like wired-in storage tends to have a higher reliability, but they could also put little checksums and mapping and storage capabilities hey, in the... Guess what? what? You'd never forget your SD card again. This happens to me a lot. It happens to a lot of people. I get the emails. Yeah, but my DJI drones have internal storage, and they have saved me several times because I've had to use that internal storage when I forgot my SD card, because I have to take my SD cards out still. <laughs> it's still a pain. Okay, those seem like an easy request. And what about voice recognition? This Tell one seems that. like a next logical step for me, because we use voice recognition every day. We use it to turn off our lights. We use it to turn on the studio. Um, we use it in our car to navigate or to choose a song. So why not have it available in your camera to say, hey, camera, search for time-lapse feature or something? Why not? Yeah, I don't see it listening constantly, but I see there's a little like speaker button yeah. and you push and hold and then you say enable bracketing and you let go and it can turn that on. And that way less frequently used features could be handled immediately without navigating the stupid menu system. Yeah. And at first I thought, oh, they can't do this with their current operating systems. But then I remembered GoPro does this. Don't you say like gnarly and then it, it <laughs> like replays your photo or something? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Yeah, if GoPro can do that. And those were all things that I think are very tangible with the current development system that they have. But I'd also like to see them move over to Android operating system. This is what runs most smartphones in the world. It is the next big leap. It's very possible. Check out the camera of the decade video that I did where I covered the Samsung Galaxy NX, which was like the first real Android smartphone. Samsung closed shop. But they made an amazing camera before they did that, and everybody else should too. I really believe camera manufacturers need to make this their top priority. Add a layer of Android to all of their future phones so that we can have proper apps, so that people can code things like take all my pictures and send them directly to Google Drive or to my iCloud or to my Instagram, or just give us those options for doing intelligent computational photography by third-party developers, as well as intelligent connections to the internet. Yeah, wouldn't it be cool if you could just put the filters right into your camera or just edit in camera with an app, a third-party app? And I think this is what we really need if you're going to get Madeline or your mom to use one of these cameras. Or any number of younger people. The vast majority of the world who's not yeah. using their smartphone for everything. They're 
This is what will finally make them consider a real camera and not be frustrated with it. This is what will make them buy a second camera and a second lens. Because right now, some of them still buy a camera and then they're like, this frustrating piece of garbage. Yeah, absolutely. Android OS needs to be their top priority. And that would also make cellular connections much simpler. I actually think cellular would be hard for them to do right now because they'd have to write all the code to communicate with all the different cell towers and navigate all that FCC mm -hmm. stuff. But if you had Android, then cellular would suddenly be really oh, very straightforward okay. to do. Cellular would be nice. I like searching my photos based on location in my phone. And so it could, if it could just always very easily be dropping a GPS pin in all my photos, I would love that. Yeah, we forgot to even put GPS in there. Some cameras used to have that and then they got rid of it, but it's awesome. Go into your iPhone, go into your photos, go to albums and then go to maps and you can see where you took every picture. And when you think, I want to show my friend this picture we took in Grand Cayman. Yeah. You do it and just zoom into the map and there it is. I know, it's awesome. But we can't get that on our real cameras. In the comments, I'd like to hear what you think is going to happen and then what you think should happen, like what you want. Like what will they actually do and what do you think they should do? Cause, yeah, because I think about that because sometimes I want something and I'm like, mm, that's not going to be really easy for them to market, you know? So there's a difference between what you want and what's going to happen. But I think a lot of these things that we talked about today are going to happen, Tony. Well, you know who always gives me what I want? Squarespace. Me? Oh. <laughs> wow, shattering. Great. Amazing websites. They don't like love me and provide constant companionship for me, but Squarespace yeah. does create very easy to use, gorgeous websites that anybody can go to and see the work that I very recently updated in my portfolio. If you're interested in creating an amazing portfolio or website for any of your businesses or personal projects, go to squarespace.com slash Chelsea. Just try it out completely free. And when you love it, use the coupon code Chelsea and you'll get 10% off. Thank you, Squarespace. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed this podcast, uh, give us a like and also give us a review in your favorite podcasting app. That helps us out a lot. We'll see you next time.